0: no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast
1: Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is
0: part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports
2: Social Podcast Network Welcome to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Natasha Miko and Lawrence Conley for the Axon Bulletin. Welcome back after another week in the world of Celtic. Um, what are we going to talk about? New managers, change, restructuring. Um, today a story has broken. Natasha, I'll come to you first and foremost. Uh, the story has broken that apparently there is interest in Jeremy Frimpong and he might be on his way out of Celtic Park. Um, is this concerning for you or just basically a sign of the times and this is what we're going to see over the next couple of months.
1: I think it's a sign of the times to be honest um, I think you know it's that kind of point in the transfer window that we're going to start seeing a lot of these rumours come in about who's coming, who's staying, who's leaving. Um, obviously our activity up until now has been absolutely nothing, um, so the rumour mill is going to start. And to be honest, there probably is a sign of things to come. Um, and if not this window, then at the next window, I think we are going to see us start to ship out some of our players who are probably more valuable, who are likely to to um, get us a larger transfer fee. Um, because that's essentially you know what we're going to end up needing to do. We're going to need to end up getting... Rid of the fewer higher value players. If that's Frimpong, I think it has been quoted as ten million. Somewhere said fifteen million. You know, if we can get that for Frimpong, that's not bad business. And we are going to need to sell a few players of that ilk, like perhaps him and Christy, Ayer, Edward. The fee that can come in from from selling players like that can perhaps then be used for. The
2: rebuild that's going to be needed in the summer. It's interesting, Natasha. I think most Celtic fans, maybe it's hindsight, they're now saying at the end of the season there was always going to be a rebuild, there was always going to be managerial change. Um, it's quite clear that there will be now. And, you know, this is where you look at Celtic and the amount of stick and criticism that personally I've given people who are running Celtic Peter Lowell in particular but then you look at the fact that we do have assets um, whereas a lot of other clubs won't have the luxury of being able to sell off their assets now I'm not saying that's great I'm not looking forward to a fire sale of Eduard I or Frimpong Christie, and others Um, but we are facing a situation where there's going to be massive changes uh, uh, you know coming from boardroom level right down to the playing the playing staff Very little has been said about players coming in. Um, Is that a situation again where we're maybe saying, we're just going to consolidate what we've got, we're going to run, we're going to limp on this season, even though we're desperate for a centre-half? Do you think that's also going to be the case at Celtic?
1: I think so. Um, And You've got to look at the fact that if there is this massive rebuild coming in the summer, like we're certainly hoping for, Who's going to come in in January? You know, as an agent, are you going to advise your player to sign for Celtic in January, knowing the overhaul that's coming in the summer? You know, perhaps the manager that signs you, perhaps the board that signs you aren't going to be there in four or five months. You know, so that's not an attractive opportunity um, for a player, I don't think. And I do take the view, is there any point... Giving Lennon in the current structure the money to spend in this window um, for a season that's you know let's be honest that's away from us. Um, we've discussed it before on this show. Why not use the next four months or so to to give you know players experience, give the youth a run out, put players in the shop window because we're not looking to really achieve much more this season other than that. Um, But instead of waste it or instead of spending money on on players to try and do a bit of damage limitation over the next four months, save it for the summer and save it for, hopefully, new structure.
2: Yeah, I think trying to be as realistic as possible. So yesterday, for example, the story breaks. It's the biggest story in British football yesterday. Frank Lampard is sacked by Chelsea. Now, we spoke about it yesterday and there was a few comments coming in saying, you know, why are we talking about Chelsea? Well, I think... The big reason I was bringing it up is it shows, and I know it's different down in England, but it shows how clubs deal with situations regardless of whether or not the man in charge is a club legend as Lampard obviously is at Chelsea. They're ruthless. And I know it's different down south because they are very ruthless down south. Lawrence Conley, uh, the other week there, you said you know there is this possibility that not just until the summer, but beyond the summer, Celtic and Neil Lennon, will still be together. Lenny will still be the manager. Do you think that's realistic? Do you honestly think that we'll go through this restructuring that's been mooted and Lenny will still be in charge of the football club?
3: Well, there was an interesting kind of Dermot Desmond quote that came out. It says, you know, one million people thought one way and he thought the other. He would hold his own council Because I think, you know, it's down to what Dermot thinks, isn't it? It doesn't matter, you know, if everybody else wants him to leave. It's possible. <laughs> That this transfer window, I think it's time to cash in on some assets because the summer's going to be a completely different market. We're going to have the post-COVID effects in football worldwide. Well, who knows what that'll do, transfer values and our player values. Uh, and in, in Scotland, we're going to be living with the Brexit effect as well. So it's going to kind of limit who who we can bring in, what kind of pool of talent. So maybe Celtic's looking at it and saying, well, players like Cham, Christy, maybe Frimpong as well. It's time to cash in, obviously, the big rumours, Eddie, for £35 to to West Ham. Mm. maybe thinking this season's beyond us. Cash in just now while those assets are maybe at a high because once we hit the summer and clubs are going to be struggling, uh, who knows what... No no fans in the ground for who knows when. Maybe there's... Dermot's thinking it's better to invest that money in the summer, get it when the market's a bit higher just now and go in the summer. I I think it's definitely a possibility if that's what Dermot wants. End of the day, that's where we are. If Dermot wants Lenny to
2: remain, it looks like he will. Do you subscribe to that, Natasha? I mean, surely, although yeah, he's a major investor at Celtic Football Club. Um, it's clear to almost anyone who's been watching the club this season, and I know there's a hardcore who disagree that Neil Lennon certainly is not the guy to take Celtic forward, particularly post restructure Uh, what's your thoughts on that Natasha because I see a lot of these names and you know Lampard was a name yesterday that instantly was you know he skyrocketed to the top of the odds in terms of the new Celtic manager I think that's the wrong decision I don't think Celtic will be looking at a player sorry a manager like Lampard because that's profile over actual stature for me Uh, People may then look and cite his win ratio, think it's something like 47-48%, which isn't bad for a manager, and yet he's managed a big club down south. But you've got to look at... You know the fact that there's other managers out there who may not be as big a profile, who are quite clearly better coaches and better managers. So, you know, what's your thoughts on the Neil Lennon aspect? I mean, you know my thoughts. Everybody who's tuned into Axom knows that I think we need to make that change. And why why wait until the summer? Because we need to try and, and start preparing for next season. Do you honestly think we're going to see a future with Celtic managed by Neil Lennon beyond this pre-season?
1: No, um, I really, really can't. And I, it's it's difficult to say, you know, not in your wildest dreams, would you imagine that that would happen? But if I had dreamt how badly a season could go, I would never have even come up with this. Um, so with Celtic, who knows what can happen? Um, but I really, really don't see Lennon being there at the start of next season or hopefully, you know, for, for the next pre-season coming up. It needs to happen now and um, there's only so many times we can say it. Um, unless we really are just writing off the next four months as nothing um, then it needs to happen now. We've talked about it before on here, you know, look what happened when Rodgers went to Leicester. You know, he had that sort of settling period he had those few months to get to know his team so by the time the summer market came round he knew exactly what he wanted, he knew what he needed and he knew his squad. You know, there's managers available right now who could come in if we wanted to try and replicate that and be ready to hit the ground running for next season, you know, we've got to act now. Um, but, you know, I'm getting more and more concerned that that isn't going to happen because if it if it's not happened now, then when is it going to happen? You know, we hear, we hear about this review um, and we are awaiting the outcome of it, but it's the 26th of January. Mm. We, we said, you know, back at the end of last year that the outcome of the review would happen in January you know so if the review is happening in january you know we've not won a game there can only be one outcome if the review happened since it was announced well we're further behind than we were when the start of the review happened so if you if you're going to deliver the outcome of a review based on either january or either the period since the review was initiated there can only possibly be one outcome um and i have no idea how they'll seek to explain another outcome if that's the case um if it is to be that Lennon remains then they need to give a big explanation about the next six months next year um, to try and sort of appease the fans on that one because I can see at this stage I can see no rationale for him staying
2: well, you're right. I mean, Celtic say there's going to be a review. Since then, uh, in January, we've not won a single game. Natasha, as you rightly say, we've also had the Dubai trip that we covered extensively, and the fallout of that, which included that press conference that Neil Lennon gave last Monday. So, if you're, if that's all part of your review, your I don't think the outcome of that review is going to be too promising for Neil Lennon. How can, I wouldn't it, be, have how can it be?
1: There's no possible way it can be.
2: The, the big frustration, I guess, um, is we are speaking every single day on the Axon Bulletin about Celtic. We're looking back on the last 24 hours and, you know, people say, where's this rumour coming from? Well, you know what? what actually happens is when the club fail to engage with you, and I don't expect them to tell us about signing targets etc, but when they completely fail to engage with the fan base, all you're left with is what's out there. Now that could come from the press, it could come from reliable sources, and we try our best not to get into the gossip mongering, otherwise we might, might have fallen for the Rafa Benitez letter the other day. <laughs> um, but some newspapers are so desperate for that that information, that intelligence, you know, that source, that gossip, that they're, they're actually falling for things like the fake Rafa Benitez letter and they're running stories on it and then you get some really you know very good sources coming out of Spanish football saying Rafa Benitez isn't interested in going to Scotland and then you think well you know let's not get our hopes up about anything but again it does go back to the, the fact that the club are failing to engage all we're getting at the moment from the social media channels is happy birthday to this one and that one I mean happy birthday Brennan Rodgers you know but they won't speak <laughs> <laughs> they won't speak to their fans so we're all set and guessing Natasha I mean we've said it time and time again on this podcast is it not about time the club you know held out the olive branch and tried to engage or are they basically just riding us out without speaking to the fan base
1: I mean it seems like you know heads in the sand you know if the fans were in the stadium they'd know all about how we felt Is um, it's easier obviously to to ignore when, you know, we're either in the car park or, or online. You know, they can stick their head in the sand and pretend that this feeling isn't happening. But it is, you know, and if they actually sought to carry out some proper engagement rather than one-sided narratives and text or interviews, then they'd know that. Um, but the SLO does a good job. I don't believe for a second that the board aren't aware of how the fans are feeling. Um, and it appears to me... That they're ignoring it. It's the only explanation, you know. I don't believe for a second that they don't know how the fans are feeling. Um, look how many points we are behind in the most important season, you know, in recent history. They must know how the fans are feeling. Failing to act and failing to engage is simply ignoring that. You know, it's telling us that they don't care. You know, if they don't make change, if they don't engage, if they don't react to this, then they're telling us that this is acceptable. They're saying it's acceptable to be this many points behind Rangers out of every competition we've entered, barring one cup. You know, they're saying that that's fine. Mm -hmm. If they don't make change and if they don't explain it and if they don't engage, they're telling us that this is what we've got to put up with. And for me, that's just not acceptable.
2: Anything that's come out of the club um, has basically said, you know, that we've been hit harder. By COVID than other clubs, um, we have missed the fans more than other clubs have missed the fans. Kevin Graham brought up a, a really interesting point the other day, Lawrence, and I'll ask you your opinion on this. Whereby, you know, echoing what Natasha just said, he said, you know, if we were in the stadium, we would be in a different situation because, you know, that reaction from fans in the, in the stadium, sixty thousand fans, week in week out, would have resulted in some kind of change being forced. Now, I'm not saying there would have been protests after every game Um, but obviously the nature of the performances the bad decisions the you know the the managers uh, bad performance as well as the team the fans would have surely have influenced any decision do you buy into that because on the one hand the club are saying we are so influential we're part of the reason our absence is part of the reason the club hasn't performed this season but on the flip side it might have worked against them because we would have been demanding change by this age
3: fans have definitely got a part to play, haven't they? They've definitely got influence, but I think some kind of change is coming if Desmond's put his, his son in. Whether I was protesting at the stadiums is going to drive it, you know, they attacked the team bus. That The only thing that, that could, uh, appeared to do was get fences put up. You know, it doesn't look like they wanted to engage further after that and say, right, actually, we've got a huge problem here. They just went, right, fences up. So, I'm not too sure what kind of reaction Celtic are going to give to any Protest whether it's outside the stadium or inside the stadium, it just means to be one of non-engagement, which you know, as you've touched on, it leaves a big void.
1: Mm.
3: Would it push things along quicker? I don't know, but you know, it's one of those. Would the performances been better with fans there? Maybe. Who knows? We're kind of the here and now, and the only change we've seen is Desmond's son coming in, which would suggest that some kind of change is coming. What it is, we don't know. If there is a January review, we've got five days left to deliver it. Is anyone does anyone have any confidence that there's going to be a delivery of a January review?
2: Well, I, I think the fallout of that would be severe because you know Celtic fans, not just on this podcast, you've got the, the affiliation, the Celtic Trust, the Celtic Association. You would hope that there was some form of engagement now again a lot of people me included you know don't actually know how that engagement works because the association the affiliation and the trust three different organisations three different groups apparently representing the Celtic support um, are they engaging with the club?
0: This week on the Marketers Report Patrizio Spagnoletto Global Chief Marketing Officer Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on building trust Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy and we have to be be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeart Media is your access company.
2: Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And obviously people who are not part of these organisations or groups aren't aware of it. Um, is that happened prior to any release of information? Are they going to touch base with the affiliation and the association and of course the trust prior to then releasing potentially a statement? Um, again, because the the communication is so bad, and it's going to, I'm going to go over to Capital Mark uh, on that point, we're all guessing, we don't know. To the point where, Lawrence, even though we've been told that there's going to be a review, you're now saying... Will we ever hear about this review? Time is running out, as is time for bringing in new players is running out. Kaplan Mark says, now we have the PR at the club obviously trolling the fans. Is that how far the arrogance in the club has gone to? And I think what you're meaning by that, uh, Kaplan Mark, is uh, obviously, happy birthday, Brennan Rogers. Um, however, the review, we, we don't hear anything about this review. How about giving us an idea of when it's going to arrive? Natasha, do you think we're going to face a situation, as, as Lawrence hinted out there, where... You know, they just put it, you know, sweep it under the carpet, and we don't hear anything from them.
1: Do you know what I think has happened? I think is that they've decided back when the review was announced that this is what they need to do to appease the fans. You know, they need to tell us they're going to look into it. We'll come back to it. We're listening. We're taking it seriously. We'll let you know what happens in January. And what they prayed happened between now and January is that things took an upturn. We started gaining some of the points back, putting in some good performances. And this kind of all went away. Um, obviously, the complete opposite has happened. Um, we're further behind than ever um, and things are getting more and more negative and the fans are becoming more disengaged than ever. So this isn't what they expected to happen. But now they've got themselves into a position where they promised something um, back at the end of last year, which was sort of you know a short-term appeasement And now the long-term effects of that are coming home to risk for them. They've got to now deliver something that they've promised. You can't promise the fans a review, appease them for a few weeks and expect that to go away. You know, if you're going to promise something, you have to then deliver on it. You know, no business in the country promises a review and then either doesn't conduct it or doesn't deliver an outcome of it. Um, So it would be negligent for them not to come and tell us the outcome of this review. I think we will get some form of communication by the end of January, um, whether it's what we're looking for. Um, I very much doubt, given the fact that nothing coming from the club in recent history has been particularly what we're looking for. Um, so I doubt it's going to give us answers, um, to be honest, but I think there will be something simply because there has to be something. Um, there has to be something. I think it'll probably be by way of a, a statement on the website, Um they perhaps planned for it to be delivered by Peter Lowell in a video style format, but I think that probably be scrapped going by the reaction to the last one. Um, so I'm expecting
2: a, a statement on the website um, at the very least. Yeah, and it's a like-or-lumpet it statement, you know, because you can't engage, you can't challenge it, and that's unfortunate. Um, now, Lawrence, we've obviously seen all the, the names that have been banded about in relation to a potential Celtic manager, should indeed Neil Lennon resign or be relieved of his duties. And the biggest uh, name of recent days has been Frank Lampard. But just before we came on live, I was saying to Natasha, just because a big name that doesn't excite me I, I don't like this talk of Celtic need a big name I think what we need is we need a coach with stature we need someone who is able to get a much better tune-out with this squad of players than has been the case this season. Um, he's going to have to assess the squad before we go into the pre-season, and that's obviously why I'd be pushing for change now. All of the names that have been mentioned, and I've got a few here that keep cropping up, there are some that I think are probably pie in the sky. I know that Chris Sutton called uh, Rafa Benitez pie in the sky. I also think Ralph Ranick probably falls into that category. I've been reading reports that Chelsea were interested in bringing him in um, in a role, a, a football related role. Um, again Frank Lampard, is available so all of a sudden he's uh, rocketing up to the top of the charts in terms of the odds Eddie Howe's name keeps coming up Jack Ross and a name that we haven't really discussed recently but is coming through in the comments a lot is Stevie Clark. So when you're looking at any of these names, Lawrence Conley, do you think there are any realistic targets on there? Do you think the club are engaging and finding? out the availability. I'm going to go back to Anthony Haggerty last week, very popular podcast actually. Whenever Anthony's on, he gets a lot of positive feedback. But what he was saying is, you know, let's aim for the top, the top level. Even if you think it's maybe a wee bit out of your reach, go for it and see where you are with that and then work your way back. Do you think that's the outlook of Celtic at the moment or are we hedging our bets? Because of everything that's happening and the fact that we don't even know if there's going to be football next season in terms of fans being at the games, and we're just going to say, you know what, you're either going to get Neil Lennon or you're going to get his backroom team on an interim basis. Are we doing any working behind the scenes, do you think, Lawrence?
3: Well, in the past, we spoke to Benitez and Clark, haven't we? So I, I think the past the club's been prepared to reach that high, I think it was Benitez's decision to pull out. But it's something I'd agree with Tony, we should be looking at the top level and getting in the best that we can. What exactly are the club's doing just now it's uh, it's a complete mystery, isn't it? It's you know it's just nothing. It's re- we talked about the return of the civil earlier on for the defence now it's kinda the return of Pravda, isn't it? I know. It's it back. It, you know, we're going right, is the, we watched this movie in the nineties. <laughs> you know, this is how you treated us then. All it's missing is uh, I don't know, Peter Lowell dressing up in a a
2: parrot suit and get in the jungle. Well, you remember that. Aye, I remember that myself, Lawrence. The, the thing with Pravda is, you know, we were at a situation there where the club was were in dire straits. And this is a thing that I'm always, you know, I'm always loath to say Peter Lowell's useless and everything he's done at Celtic has been a, a nightmare because that's just not true. That's just revisionism because things haven't gone well this season. There's loads of things that people are unhappy with that Peter Lowell has done or failed to do whilst he's been the CEO. But the big question I keep kind of coming back to you, is who would you rather was in charge of Celtic? If you look at some of the previous people in the same position, going as far back as Terry Cassidy, who was the first guy to employ Peter Lowell at Celtic, interestingly enough. Um, Ian McLeod, Alan McDonald, and then you've got Peter Lowell. So, yeah, he's not done everything perfectly well, Natasha, but... There is a, a wee sense in my mind of you can't just get rid of you know it can't be a full scale let's get rid of Peter Lowell, let's get rid of Neil Lennon because there's been a lot done well at the club and that's why we're in a situation where we're talking about right we're in a situation here where financially we might have to sell off a few assets but we've got the assets to sell so I, I don't want to see like wholesale changes in terms of five or six players leaving Celtic because I think what you'll then get. It's a squad that I still have belief in. I still think we've got a strong squad. You're then looking at a really weakened squad. You're looking at a squad that's got three permanent players who have joined and failed to make an impact other than David Turnbull. You've got a squad that perhaps is going to be looking more like the team that went out against Hibson Livingston. If you were to get rid of Ayer and Christie and Eduard and Frimport. Then you're looking at a, a squad that's starting to look really kind of normal it, it's it's not a squad that you can rely upon to, to go on a run either in the in the league or in Europe it's a depleted squad a very ordinary side mediocre almost um, and that's a big fear for me but you've got to, to, to be as balanced as you possibly can and say you know what Peter Lowell I guess is going to still be at Celtic in, in one way or another natasha is that something that you're 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 also uh, considering because I think what Peter Lowell w- would also want is he would also want to have involvement with other agencies which means he needs to be involved with a football club
1: yeah absolutely um i mean we do give the board criticism on here where it's due um, and rightly so but at the same time you know i'm not going to rewrite history and forget the last period you know this is a board who have delivered nine in a row a quadruple treble and it's not living in the past to appreciate that you know, they've got us into a position where we have good assets, good players. And over the last nine years, we've had incredible success, unprecedented. You know, it's not living in the past to appreciate that and say, you know, fair play. The board delivered it. But then, you know, equally on the same hand, you can say, but now it's time for change because we can't live on the past successes. Um, but removing a CEO um, in any business is a big upheaval. Um and that's not the sort of thing that can happen overnight. You can't replace a CEO on a board overnight. What's perhaps more likely to happen, and maybe it is already happening in the background, is that Lawwell is lining someone up to take over from them. Um, and there's more of a transition period than that, um, which is fine. And, you know, that's something I would... Um, welcome if there's someone there or there's someone on their way um, who Lawwell slowly does transition um, the CEO duties over too um, but the, the main thing that we need to, to change and the first thing to change obviously is the management team because like we've touched on and like you've just said you know there's a good squad there you know we have especially right down the core we have a good squad with good players you know <laughs> Ayers a great player. Um, we've got players, you know, who are quality, like, I'll be on El Yunusi, you know, and Lax. a quality player. These sorts of players are going. But the players we have, you know, in our, our possession, like Ayer and Christie and Edward and Frimpong, and if you start, like you say, taking players of that caliber out of the team, it is ordinary. My concern is that these players are going to go because they don't want to stay. Um, I think a lot of them um, maybe I or maybe Christy hung on for one more season um, to, to be part of the 10 if that, that's not happening um, there is not much of an incentive for them to stay um, for another season so I think we are going to lose the quality players I don't see us holding on to Edward certainly not Cham Christy will be I think looking to leave I will want to try something new we're losing a real quality core of the team um, and that needs to be replaced Mm -hmm. we need the money in from these players to do that Um, and my concern is the club's ability to replace them Um, you know who did we really replace Tierney with you know who did we ever replace Armstrong with Um, you know did we? We've never, you know, properly replaced a player like Van Dijk. You know, we did get good money in, um, and we've never been able to, in recent history, replicate um, the players that we put out. Um, you know, perhaps Edward. But that's my concern: is that these core of really good players are going to go, and we're not going to be able to replace them.
2: No, you're you're right about that and I think another one that I would mention and it it really ties in with this point coming in from Gary Ramsey uh, 55 so Gary Ramsey 55, maybe that's your age Gary you're watching um, on YouTube another one in in that vein that we didn't replace was Brennan Rogers now we were able to get £9 million in compensation when Rogers left, the birthday boy Brennan Rogers, the Celtic twi- uh, Twitter, has reminded us. But we didn't reinvest that in a management team, did we? And that, that is the issue. So when Gary Ramsey comes in to remind us that Rafa Benitez's salary might be £8 million per season, what I would say to that is, I think the only way that you're able to, to get into the mindset of these managers... Now, Rafa Benitez is without doubt for me an elite manager there's that term again elite manager but I think Rafa is you look at what he's done um, across the board in Italy Spain England and, and basically you know winning European trophies times three um, the guy is an elite manager but what you need to as a football fan realise is yes he was on a salary I think of 12 million pounds in China but these these managers are already multi-millionaires and there are managers out there who have ambition Um, And that ambition doesn't just stop at their their salary. Yes, they'll be extremely well paid wherever they go. But £8 million, you've got to question that. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring on someone who has appeared on that list of Celtic managerial candidates to have a frank discussion about when you're a manager, an out-of-job manager, let's say, and a job like Celtic comes up. What is your feeling? You know, what would it do to entice you, having never managed in Scotland before, for example, to come to Scotland? You know, because I do see the, the comments coming in. Imagine coming up here and playing Livingston four times a season. How many times have we beaten Livingston this year, by the way? So I think that's a wee bit disrespectful. But I get what they mean. Going to, the, to uh, Livingston, the Tony Macaroni, the pitch, the plastic pitch, you know, the same thing goes for Hamilton. These aren't sides that, you know, people like Rafa Benitez are dying to come and visit. But there are other elements to be the manager of Celtic that do entice the likes of Brendan Rodgers to Celtic so what I'm trying to do to try and strike that balance so that we can all get into the mindset of a manager is to get one of them on the podcast and actually speak to them and ask the question and say what would entice you to come to Scotland and then you know what it may not just be the salary although incidentally it's not as though we are paying a pittance when it comes to the manager's salary so we are in the market I think for an out of job manager because that is what we tend to do that's what we've done over the last if you if you look actually at the last four managers or the four appointments Neil Lennon he was promoted from within. Ronnie Dyla, a bit of left field, but in terms of you know compensation, he was coming from a Norwegian side. Who you know, I'm not saying again being disrespectful, but it's not as though we couldn't get Ronnie Dyla. It's not as though the money that was going to have to change hands between the two clubs was such that we couldn't get Ronnie Dyla. Brennan Rogers was out of work, Neil Lennon's second time round was out of work. So I think what we're going to be going for is an unemployed manager. We're not going to get into the situation where we pay a massive amount of compensation like we did with Martin O'Neill and like we did with uh, Tony Mowbray. You know, and within seven or eight months it was clear that the Mowbray experiment wasn't working. So Lawrence Conley I'm going to come to you is that me just being you know an old romantic to think that Celtic can offer more than just cash to get a top standard manager
3: no people don't just go for the money there's got to be other factors what league am I competing in what will I personally get to achieve so it's all there it's like anyone working in any job you don't just go give me a salary I don't care about you know the hygiene factors as, as they call them there are other things on offer and everyone wants to be successful so if Rafa thinks I can go there, can win leagues, cups, and perhaps have some success in Europe, mm. maybe that's the challenge he's looking for. Maybe Gary's saying eight million a season is that? Maybe that's Rafa and his staff. If if that's what it pays for a manager of that level, it's about ten percent turnover. You know, it's about twice, but just over two or three times what Peter Brink gets. If that was to deliver you kind of Rogers' levels of success, but do better in Europe i think it'd be worth it, <laughs> £8 million per season, just for the European success alone. So, yeah, I, I, I think managers will come for stuff other than money. You know, if it's not true, does that mean Rafa's next job's going to be more than he get paid in China then? It's got to be if it's just for the money. Or else would have stayed in China because he was on more money there? So, you know, I, I think definitely there's, there's other factors... What are the factors that- As the number one
0: audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Celtic have, you know well-known name of world football, almost guaranteed European competition every year, and chance of winning the league in a cup every year. So I think that's attractive to any manager. What kind of backing he's getting? Who he's going to work with? That may, may be a different question. We've touched on it before. First calls that managers mate, It's going to be Brendan and Martin,
2: and mm-hmm. what it's going to say. Well, I don't know about Martin O'Neill because you know I think time um, has softened softened that somewhat. He seems to have a very good relationship with Celtic, doesn't he? Now, um, yeah, Brendan Rodgers obviously it d- didn't end well uh, for the birthday boy. And people are picking up on the fact that that's all we're getting from the Celtic Twitter at the moment um, is birthday, best wishes, etc. But Natasha, I'm going to come to you on that one, talking still about the manager. We've got a manager in place at the moment who, from the outside looking in, doesn't seem to have the same kind of overall vision of someone like Ralph Raniak. And I'm I'm not saying for a minute that we're going to get someone like Ralph Raniak, but the vision of coming in and not only building a team that can compete, uh, week in, week out. But, you know, building a whole football department so that you do have a team under the first team and under that who are all playing with the same philosophy. I don't think at the moment we've got that at Celtic. And I think when you looked at and it wasn't ideal for the players that got thrown into the side. But when we had to play the depleted squad, it was almost like just watching a completely different side. And I think that when someone comes in uh, to a football club like Ralph Ranick, they want to have, a say, if not full control of things like the youth policy, um, how we're developing youth players so that we have that uh, succession of players coming through, which at the moment we don't have that. I mean, we, we keep citing Kieran Tierney and James Forrest and cal McGregor. Forrest and McGregor are now in their late 20s which shows that we're not producing it as regularly as we should be. I mean, there should be a raft of them. Why isn't Dembele progressing the way we expected? Why um, didn't Okaflex come in and actually show us what he could do? Because they're not ready. And why isn't that? So a manager coming in, you've either got the guy like Neil Lennon who just wants the 11 players on the park, and there's plenty of managers like that, or you're going to bring someone in with a, a whole vision about the football department. Now, is that a selling point, Natasha, for managers such as? Benitez let's say or Ranyak, is it a challenge is it something that's actually attractive to them coming to a club like Celtic
1: I'd hope so um, but they would have to be given the scope um, to do that the authority to do that and the facilities to do that um, and that includes bringing their own personnel in and being given free reign um, we've expressed concern before um, about the extent to which managers do get free rein at Celtic but if you're going to go for a manager of that calibre um, then you need to trust in them, and you need to give them that freedom to implement their own ideology and their own policies as they wish. Um, I think they gave Dyla that to an extent. Um, whether it worked is debatable. Um, when you go by what the the ex players have said, but he, you know, he was relatively inexperienced. He was new, and he tried something. Um, yeah. You know, fair play to him for that. What we need to do now is have a manager um, of the calibre that we want you know, perhaps Benitez is well out of reach. But you know, if moving towards that direction, someone may be nearer that realm. You have to give them the ability to input their own style on things um, and move us back to being a more professional, more cohesive side. Um one that you look at and you know exactly what's happened on the training ground. You know how well drilled they are, you know the shape they're meant to be playing, you know the tactics that are happening. The subs come on and they make sense. There's youth players coming through. I mean mm-hmm. That's what you want to see and that's everything that's missing for me at the moment. All of those factors are missing um, and they're so, so important. And I think having a manager at a better level than what we have at the moment, we'll start to see that. Um, and the the youth point that you've mentioned, there is a concern. We have started to see some of the younger players come through. And to be honest, I am a bit concerned. Um, none of them really look like we expected. Um, none of them are really, you know, exciting me. Where is the next Tierney or McGregor yeah. or going back further, you know, where's the next McGiddy that's going to make us, you know, a record profits Where are those players? Um their belly seems so far out of the picture. Um you know, there's obviously rumours that that's because he wants to leave um, and that he has no intention of staying and if he has no intention of staying then we're going to give other youth players the chance before him, which I understand to a degree but then on the other side it's concerning if all our, youth, if our better youth players want to leave um, why is that? So maybe some sort of philosophy in place that shows the youth players as well the clear stream from where they are to the first team um, might help us hold on to some of them but a lot of work to be done in in various areas there.
2: Well, I think in a nutshell, that is why a manager who comes in and has a vision for the football department is important because you think of some of the the young players who have left Celtic in the not too distant past Uh, we've got Bayern Munich circling like vultures and taking young players away, Blackburn Rovers um, have signed a, a Celtic player who was 18 and had never played for the first team, we've got guys leaving at 16, now if for example the figurehead of your football department was someone of the ilk of Rafa Benitez I think a young player would be far less likely to leave than if that person who is the head of the football department doesn't have a great interest or even a great track record in developing youth players Mm -hmm. so the flip side of that and some of the names that I see cropping up from time to time I find it quite frustrating so yesterday was another example of that Frank Lampard so he gets sacked from Chelsea he's obviously a huge name he's a huge name down south Um, I thought he was a great player loved him as a player he seemed to be on a good trajectory going from doing a a good job at Derby then going to Chelsea he dealt with the transfer embargo he then spent some like £220 million this season now That name is instantly linked with Celtic. And I just think, why? Why on earth is he more of a viable option than some of the other guys? And it's just because of profile. And I find that really frustrating. Natasha, do you think Celtic will fall into the trap of trying to do something like that because of the profile? I mean, quite a lot of fans are actually saying he'd be a good appointment. I just don't see it.
1: No, me neither. I, I don't think that's how Celtic will go down. Um, I think it's a case of Celtic are clearly a club and hunt for a manager. Um, that's quite obvious. And now Frank Lampard is a manager without a job. Um, I think you know that's a case of bookies and media putting two and two together and getting five. Um, I don't think that's a fit at all and I don't see it happening, to be honest. And I don't really see Lampard fans saying it either. Um, I think... I think you're right. I think we need to be careful about going for for status over over ability. Um, We didn't choose Lennon on managerial ability, and and look how that's worked out. We chose Lennon on the basis of the fact that he knew the club, really, Mm. um, and that he was here. Um, I think that's pretty much what got him the job. Um, And choosing Lampard would be simply choosing him because of his name and his status. We need to move away from that. And look at the key qualities that we're actually looking for, and appoint someone on the basis of that. We're looking for someone who can coach. You know, we're looking for someone who can train the team properly, coach the team properly. You know, a good quality manager. Um, I, I don't care about you know their status or or things or their name or whether they've played for Celtic. I want to see us in a good manager who's going to train the team properly and get the best out of the players that we have.
2: I I agree with that, and I think that you know there's this there's this notion, and I'm going to bring up Andy McDuff too, um, who says, pretty simple, don't renew your tickets, don't buy kits or any merchandise. I've seen a lot of chat about that. And I know that, you know, whilst that chat is there, and I'm not dismissing it, Andy, whilst it's there, the club may think that they need to do something to get the interest of the support back on side for when the season ticket renewals come in. And I just think that, Appointing someone due to their, their profile like someone like Frank Lampard would be a lazy option. It's not the option that I would get interested or excited in. I'd be far more excited in a progressive thinking uh, boss who comes in who wants to do something in the football department as well as obviously build a, a quality side. Now, Lawrence. I've seen a lot of chat about people withholding cash because they think cash is king, and under the circumstances, it's the only way the board will respond. And I get that because it's basically, you know, the board are behind the Harris fencing and they're not, they're not speaking to us. So fans are, are going to the extremes and they're saying, well, I won't buy a season ticket and I won't buy any merchandise. and that's their prerogative, absolutely. Do you think appointing someone who's a big name but not necessarily a great coach with vision is going to turn their their heads? I don't think it will.
3: It, it's too short-term, term isn't it? We need a bit of long-term planning. And I think it's not just the manager, it's about who comes in with him, you know, what level of coaches, etc., he's bringing along with him. Folding season book money, I, I don't know what it's going to look like next season. If fans aren't back at the start of the season, will they be allowed to sell season books? What will the income streams like? Look to Celtic and the rest of the football. If fans aren't going to come back in, merchandise would uh, certainly hot. But I don't know what the plans are for next season. If it's going to be back at the ground and selling season books, or so if, if it's not, I think we need a, a different financial model when people aren't going to pay six hundred pounds to watch a feed with a delay on it of two or three minutes, and you get a text that someone scored, you know, before it happens on screen. So I think there's kind of. Whole thing about what our season tickets t- t- going to be in the close season, but yeah, a, a big name is good, but it's, it's got to be more than a big name. It's got to be a, a big name earned by not what they've done on the playing side, which I think Lampard's earned his name at the playing side. It's mm-hmm. a big it's, if he's earned it on the coaching side and the success of managing teams. Th- that's different from a big name who's earned it on the, the, the playing side. So it's really how he's earned his big name. Uh, what we're looking for is, you know, someone successful try, try of tri- coaching and managing. If he happens to be a big name as well, brilliant. If he doesn't, you know, it's less likely to be a head turner. But he's definitely that's the credentials we want. You know, someone that can coach and manage.
2: What we're going to see, obviously, coming out of the current situation worldwide, not just football, is certain things that didn't exist before becoming a part of our day to day life. Now. You know, the the easiest example for for me to make is this particular broadcast. This isn't going to stop as soon as we can uh, get on with life. We're going to continue to do this and engage and do it on a daily basis. Even though loads of the people that might watch at 12.30 are back at work, for example. And n- maybe have to uh, play catch up or perhaps we'll go out at night time as well. But I did get an interesting email from one of the um, our audience who's based in Australia. And they were talking about a change in how we actually look at what a season ticket holder is. Natasha, I know you're a season ticket holder and you've spoken about it on the show. Is there going to have to be a different view on what a season ticket holder actually gets uh, coming out of this pandemic? Because the example that they gave us was that his local club, we're looking to try and engage with people who might not go to games, but still be a member of the club. And being a member of the club gives you other perks and other services and other products and discounts, etc. Even though you're not a a game-going fan. Now, Celtic, with the appeal that we have to a worldwide audience, surely can tap into this idea whereby they could be feeding a a membership as well as um, a season ticket holder. So next season, perhaps they're going to have to look at how they're going to sell a season ticket to yourself Natasha and say actually we don't know when you're going to get back in but here's a list of the things that you're going to get as a season ticket holder because you're now a member and then you might have another tier whereby you don't expect to go to the games but you want all the other perks and that could be someone who can't get to the games be that in Scotland or further afield um, do you think the club are actively working on how they're going to sell it to people even beyond I'm going to give you a big name manager I'm going to make a couple sign because that was always the way in the past wasn't it? Um, they give you that and that, that's the box office and that's going to sell and that's going to put bums on seats Is there going to be a, a different view from clubs like Celtic going forward to season ticket holders?
1: There has to be, um, quite simply um, the season ticket holders are a major revenue income for the club You know they can't afford to give that up but at the same time they can't ask us to pay that amount of money again to sit at home and watch a poor quality stream with poor quality commentators. Um, you know, that's really not what we signed up for. Um, and yes, we didn't expect this at the start of the season and the way that this year has transpired um, with COVID and with restrictions is something out with all of our control and not what we expected. But next year, if we were renewing our tickets again knowing what the potential might be, there is going to be a lot of reluctance and the club need to communicate with the fans to make buying a season ticket an attractive option. Um, first thing, like we said, that has to be a vision for the club. We have to know where the club is going over the next year. We have to know who the new management team are going to be and how a restructure might happen. We need to know what the club are trying to achieve over the next year or two. Um, to get us, you know, involved and to keep that momentum going, but like you say, it has to be more than that because you know fans aren't going to pay six hundred pounds just because they're telling us we're going to, you know, do this in Europe. We're aiming for Champions League. We're aiming for the last sixteen. This is the management team. That's great, but to get someone to part with you know six hundred pounds for a season Ooh. ticket, we need to actually give them something as well, more than a, a TV pass at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the membership option you've outlined is um, an interesting idea, and they, I, I'm aware that they do have something similar on the other side of the city. Um, they have membership options; you can become a member without buying a season ticket um, for a fee, um, and that's the way of the club bringing money into the into the club without having the number of season tickets that that requires. Mm. So, I know they have membership options which far outweigh the number of season tickets they have, um, and you know that's just another possible revenue income and what we need to do is say that for you know this price you're getting this this price you're getting this and this price you're getting this you know you can't tell someone right it's another 600 pounds and you're getting a tv subscription that's not going to work for another year um i've heard rumors that season ticket holders who paid full price this season um the added value will be a discount on next season um I think the club view that as a way of getting people back through the door. Um, Those who might be reluctant to renew might be less reluctant with with money off. Um, And it's a way of addressing the fact that there does need to be some sort of refund for this season. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll be interesting, but that's that's for them to work out and hopefully communicate with us at some point before renewals.
2: Well, going back to that communication um, aspect, one of the great things about the Axon Bulletin is it's a collection of views so sometimes someone will make a point and this might have been made by Lawrence Conley so I want to give you credit Lawrence last week if it was yourself but um, and going back to what Mark says there are we only important inside the ground? Well we shouldn't be. Now one of the things that was raised last week was if the club are going to make an announcement why not forget about the statement forget about that because season ticket holders on match day on Wednesday night will all be logged in or generally speaking they'll all be logged in watching the game against Hamilton right so make your address to the season ticket holders there I mean I don't think anyone's been bowled over by the pre-match entertainment unless you want to tell me different this season so far so you know before the commentary team come on to give us the pre-match analysis and talk about the team lineup, why doesn't Peter Lowell come on why doesn't he come on and address the season ticket holders because we're all tuned in to watch the game because that, that is what our season ticket gives us I mean they could be be really left field and do something like this because if you're logging in as a season ticket holder you know you're traceable they know who you are it's them that gave you the login so it's not as though it's going to be a free-for-all and of course it's monitored so i decide uh, which comments come through someone could be sitting monitoring that that's engagement that's much better than a statement which appears on the website and then you get a tweet and you get a Facebook and all this kind of stuff, notification. Lawrence Conley, is that beyond our club because they've got all the facilities available to do that? They could do it on Wednesday.
3: Well, no, we have the facilities. It's not beyond us. It just depends. You know, is the world there? Do they want to do it? That's what it comes down to. And there's loads of different ways they could add extra value there. With my wee girl brutally bought a concert online, Mellon Martinez, she upgraded to the, the VIP kit. So she gets a box through before the concert that arrives with loads of paraphernalia in it, and sets her up for the night for the concert. Loads of ways that could add extra value to these things. The is there, the distribution channels are there. It's whether the, the will's there and they actually actively want to engage. I mean, I suppose an easier support to engage with when you've won, you know, just complete a treble than when things aren't going well. But uh, it's probably when we need more engagement. You know, yeah. it's a service industry, and that's, I suppose, one of the great things about service industry. If something goes wrong, you get the chance to put it right and interact with your customers. You know, Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. Tell them how concerned you are. We don't do that particularly well, or we don't do it at all. I mean, we've said Celtic's PR machine, and I don't think you'd call it a PR machine, could you? It's just it's just as proud, isn't it? It's... It's almost like they've set up social media or on a social bee or, or one of these distribution things when that's everybody's birthday. Just set that to play and that'll go out automatically. Ignore what's happening that day, it automatically goes out. And you but really you know, we need, we need to be a bit more agile than that.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, even when there is an opportunity to do something on social media, when Spartak and Moscow are basically ripping us a new one, we don't have uh, in us to be able to even retort. There's no response, um, even a witty remark. But um, one of the interesting points, what do you think about that, Natasha? What do you think about the club coming and speaking to us before the game? I'd like it. Um,
1: I'd love to see it. I think it's going to happen. No, Um, but I think it would be good. Um, What they really, really need to fix is this disengagement between the fans and the club they need to try and rebuild that relationship and the only way of doing that is communicating with us trying to get us back on side um, they know what we want they know we want communication we, they know we want engagement um, they, they need to do it if they're actually serious about trying to fix this this issue between the fans and the club they need to do it unfortunately I just I just don't think they will um, I think they'll see it as too big a ris- as a risk to, to communicate directly like this um, But I would like to see it. Um, And if there were any PR people at Celtic, then I'd hope that they were pushing for it. But I think highly unlikely at this stage.
2: Mm. It certainly would take the sting out of what's been happening over the last few weeks. You know, it's a a more human approach. I mean, let's just talk about it. I mean, we're the guys and girls that are investing in this club. So speak to us, you know, and really, what's the worst that could happen? because it's all monitored, it's controlled, and everybody's logging in so they know who we are. So I think it's a bit of a safer option than putting Neil Lennon in front of the press again, because that that was a disaster. Now, Mark's shrimp tanks, aquarium shrimp... Brilliant name, Mark. Um, Do we need another Fergus to come along and rescue us from this board? Now, the reason I'm bringing it up, I've already given the board a wee bit of credit at the top of the show because, again, I don't want to be revisionist and I don't want to be hysterical about what's happening. I'm very unhappy with what's happening and I'm unhappy with the way that they are failing to um, react to what's happening. But what can happen often is that, you know, we look back on Fergus. One thing that I have been interested in in the world of Celtic recently is the work that's happening with Fergus McCann, um, for example. So, um, Fergus McCann, sorry, Celtic Trust, I don't know if it's one and the same, maybe that's just a wee slip of the tongue. Possibly. It is one in the same. Who knows if Fergus is behind the the Celtic Trust. I almost called it the Fergus Trust. What they're talking about there is they're talking about the the chance of fan representation on the board. And we are hearing, so thanks for sharing that information, we are hearing that uh, Neil Lennon, apparently Natasha, has confirmed that Frimpong's on his way.
1: Yeah, I've just seen that message come through. Come through um, on Twitter. Lennon has confirmed that Frimpong is abroad, speaking to another club, um, not named it yet. I've heard Roma being linked, but he's confirmed that he's abroad, speaking to them um, and finalising the terms of that deal. So it looks like that one is definitely going to go ahead, um, which is interesting. <sighs>
2: Interesting. Absolutely. People were asking, where did it come from? Well, the first time I seen that today was from the Scottish Football Monitor. So a wee nod to them for breaking that story. I don't know if it was broken before they did. That was a tweet I I myself seen today. So Frimpong, we'll have a wee chat about him in a second. So the Celtic Trust, getting back to them, um, Lawrence, almost called you there, Fergus. What's going on with Fergus? (laughs) Right, so Lawrence, the Celtic Trust... Um, obviously are accumulating um, shares within the club. They have the backing of the North Curve. They've got the backing from the Green Brigade. And people are buying into it. And quite rightly so, I think, because it's a movement. It's an organised movement. And what they are doing pretty well is they're communicating with Celtic fans. And obviously they're setting up Zoom calls where people can get involved and ask questions and uh, see exactly where it is that they're going. We've had David Lowe on the show. We've had Jeanette Finlay previously on the show, not talking about the trust as such. But these uh, two people are involved with the trust. Do you think that's something Celtic would, would ever would ever be in a situation where there's fan representation on the board, Lawrence Connolly?
3: Yeah, uh, but it's kind of what, what kind of effects are they going to have, what kind of voting power are they going to have. But I think it'd be a good thing for Celtic. Uh, it's how effectual it's going to be, and I suppose that's going to come down to the individual and their... Uh, method of persuading people to their point of view or or influencing them. But we've already seen some board uh, room changes that's happening. Dermot's son's happening. You know, he's joined the board so we we know changes are up at the board level but I could see Celtic allowing it uh, and we've got to hope that they would take things on board. We don't want everybody to be kind of stuck in knee-jerk the actions of the fans. We've got to to run and do it. Everything's kind of got to have a balance to it but... Mm. I don't see why Celtic wouldn't allow it. But, you know, time will tell. I don't know what it would cost the Celtic Trust to get enough shares to get on the boat. I think it's a way off just now
2: at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a vast it is a vast amount. But I mean, credit to them. Credit to them and credit to the way that they're engaging with the fan base as well. Natasha, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, people say, yeah, we'll have representation, but who represent well someone needs to represent you. It's not going to keep everybody happy. It's not always going to be, you know, everybody's choice. But I think it is a good idea to have representation. Uh, you, it's good to have someone at the table who's able to communicate all year round with a fan base and feed that back directly to the club
1: I mean that's it um, obviously representing a fan base as big as ours is going to be difficult I mean look at the three of us talk on here and we don't always agree not everyone who listens agrees with what we're saying so you know the fan base in itself is always going to have disagreements about how they want to see the club run what they think is right what they think is wrong but overall I think it is good to have someone represent such a massive part of the club which is the fans Um, we're a huge part of the business, we are the ones who put huge amounts of revenue into the business it would be nice to see us have some representation at the levels where decisions are made Um, and then like you said that person could then be the one who is appointed to communicate with the wider fan group if they're the fan representative then they can be the one whose responsibility is to open up that engagement between the board and the fans they can be the bridge they can be the link Um, and I think the fans would like that Um, even if perhaps they don't always agree with the decisions that are made on the board or the person who's representing the fans there is someone there who's representing their interests and someone who can give them that link and that communication that we've been so badly missing Um, so I think from our perspective, it's it's a great idea. Um, from the club's perspective, I can see a bit of reluctance, but maybe maybe it should be something we consider as part of the free structure.
2: I think so. I mean, we are getting uh, comments coming through, obviously, on the reaction to the Frimpong news. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm going to bring this one up. Cormac Ryan up the dubs. Uh, Jeanette did a zoom with our club in Dublin in December. It was brilliant and really informative regarding the trust. I think it's just it's just the simplicity of engagement you know it's so easy to do it now let's just get it done, the Trust as I say have been very engaging, David's been on this show a number of times talking about their plans, um, his involvement, where they're going forward that's something that you know resulted in them organising a protest rather than the the, the flash protest when the, the passions are running high and emotions are running high they organised it and it was Covid friendly and it went absolutely swimmingly, there was no issues there, so yeah I think they're a good thing um, and you know eventually one's not involved or you don't have knowledge check them out because they are active on social media as well as having their own website and they do engage with you so if you send them a message they will get back to you now back to Jeremy Frimpong uh, Joe Porter came up to talk about the potential of Frimpong I still look at him because of his age and, and because I don't think he's a finished article I still look at him as having this immense potential now Natasha, we're looking at maybe a transfer fee of around £13.5 million pounds apparently. Is it going too soon? Or are we, gonna, are we kind of being forced into a situation where we're selling an asset because of the situation we're in?
1: Well, I've had a quick look on Twitter and I've read some of the comments and Neil Lennon has been quoted as saying Jeremy made it very clear that he wanted to leave. Um so there we go. For me, for me, the minute a player wants to leave, then he can go. Um, I don't want players who don't want to be here. And if Rimpong doesn't want to be here, then he can go. Um, I'm disappointed, to be honest. Um, I didn't expect that from him. I thought he wasn't that sort of player. And maybe he's been portrayed in the wrong light by Lennon. Who knows? Um, but for me, for him, I've seen his performances go down slightly over the last few weeks. Um, he came in with with massive potential for me. Um, And I still think he does have that massive potential. And I think in a, I hate to say it, but in a better team with um, better management and better coaching, I think he's really got potential to be fantastic. Um, And 13.5 million is what's been quoted as a good fee for us at the moment. But it is one I think we could come back and kick ourselves on um, if he goes on to to achieve the potential that I think he's got and, and an attacking team which plays their full backs high, him getting to the byline, he's got that ability to beat a player. Yeah, I think he's great. Um I think he's he's gone downhill as everyone has over the last few months here. Um disappointed to see him go. But if he wants to leave, like I say, fine. Fine, he can go.
2: Now that, that's true, I, I have to share that view on, on all players because we've seen what how damaging it's been from the perspective of maybe some players who wanted to leave and we've held on to them thinking it was the right thing to do, keep the strong squads. but then they've not performed you know you can't just flick a switch and make them perform and forget the fact that they don't want to be at Celtic so I think from that from that and that view I would go with it, I would say 13.5 at this moment in time under the circumstances for a player who came in relatively cheap I don't know what the sell-on will be to Man City I'm pretty sure they'll have some kind of clause in there but you know if it goes to a coaching team who are able to find that final ball in Frimpong Lawrence I think we might see a lot more of him in the future at the top top level
3: definitely I mean he's leaving he's not even the best right back at the club we're getting 13.5 million I don't know if he's got any assists this season so far he's got a lot to improve his game in but he's got pace and you need that in the modern game he's an exciting player he gets people on their feet, but as Natasha said, you know, if a player wants to leave, you know, it's maybe best to move them on. There's some players that uh, have stayed this season that I think we all wish hadn't, <laughs> you, you know, who haven't delivered performances after being persuaded to say And uh, mm-hmm. you know, but 13 and a half million for your second best right back, it's not bad.
2: Okay, final question, Natasha, do we just go with Anthony Ralston now, then, or do we replace him? They were bringing a replacement.
1: Oh God, um, I think we go with it. To be honest, to the end of the season, there um, give Ross a bit of experience. But to be honest, I expect us to, to be playing Ayer at right back. Um, I expect that to be the way we go. Um, with you know, perhaps at some point, El Hamid is cover. Um, you know, so I don't think we need to act in, in the right back position in this transfer market. Um, not the biggest fan of Ralston to be honest. He's a little bit average, but maybe some experience will, will help with that. Who knows? But I expect us to, to play Iron at right back now, um, and don't expect to see us replace Thrimpong in this, in this window anyway.
2: It's been an interesting uh, Bulletin We started off with What we thought was a rumour um, Fair play to the Scottish Football Monitor For bringing that To our attention And for Natasha For keeping us up to date And what was a developing story We will be saying farewell To Jeremy Frimpong How many more players Will follow him Out of Celtic Park Well we'll be here every day To cover The transfer Incomings And outgoings Thanks everybody For getting involved On Facebook Twitter And on YouTube If you haven't done so already Please subscribe On our YouTube channel um, We are pushing up the subscription base to provide more and more content on a daily basis. All that's left for me to say is Lawrence Conley and Natasha Meikle. Thank you again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
0: Jo Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all: every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iheartresults.com for more.
2: Sport Social Podcast Network Sport Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sport Social Podcast Network Sport Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash.